The Art of Winning in Life, The Jesus Way, Part 2. How many of you happened to be here last week or you watch us online? All right, so, so we're going to continue on this series that I have prepared, The Art of Winning in Life. Everybody wants to win in life. But we want to talk about winning in life the Jesus way. And I want to talk about it as an art because, number one, as an art, it is a skill that we can learn in winning. It is a method that we can adopt. It is a lifestyle that we can live by. And most importantly, values that we can develop with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. The art of winning in life, it's possible for all of us because we have Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us. All of us want to win, am I right? If you want to win, raise your hand. All right, all of us want to win. Last night was the beginning of the new Premier League season. Uh, I cannot afford to miss it, so I have to watch my Liverpool. I don't know why the game was so late. And, and there is that thing about winning. How many of you supported Leeds? All right, nobody's going to talk to me, I think. All right, but, but we all like that feeling of winning. Winning is so... Yeah, I purposely asked you about Leeds because I know there's nobody supporting Leeds. And indeed, I was proven right. Suddenly, I'm distracted because nobody responded. Why did I do that? Winning is so deeply ingrained on the inside of us. Why? Because it is a good feeling. We want to top our class, we want to top our company sales. We want to do all this so that we are right in front. I, I remember growing up, you know, sometimes we just like to be the car in front of our friend's car, even though we are on a convoy together. But after we have Jesus in our lives, winning in life takes on a very different meaning, a better feeling I want to propose to all of us today. So there was this one day the disciples were walking with Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, then a mother requested from Jesus. Say, Jesus, when you are being taken up in a place of glory, would you let one of my sons to sit on your left and one of your, my sons, the other son of mine, to sit on your right? And, and interestingly, the Bible had this little subtitle which is called a mother's request. Yes, Jesus said, you may be able to drink the cup that I drink, but it is not for me to say where you will be. And then Jesus redefined what winning in life is all about. Jesus redefined what greatness and what influence ought to be. And Jesus turned the table on winning and changed the whole concept. Yes, we all want to be great. And Jesus wants us to be great. All of us ought to do well. You have to be in the marketplace, be the best that you can be. But you must remember the greatness that you have in the place that God has called you to be is so that you may be great in serving, not in lording. If you want to be influential in the places that God has placed you, whether it's in your university or in your school, in your campuses, it must be an influence for the benefit of others and not for ourselves. So if you've been given a position, a place of position or a place of title and influence, do not use it for your own personal gain. Rather, help others to elevate and be successful in life. Yes, please, church, desire to be great. 
Yes, please, church, desire to be significant in life. Only use that to serve others. So in stewardship, we learn that we cannot handle, if we cannot handle worldly wealth, no one will entrust us with true riches. If we cannot handle worldly wealth well, no one will entrust to us true riches. Now, what is worldly wealth? You may ask, well, all that is temporal and passing, they are worldly wealth. All that, that are temporal and passing. But then what is spiritual, or what is true riches, sorry, what is true riches, and it is all that is spiritual and all that is e eternal. So whatever that has eternity in it, that is the true riches. Luke chapter 16, verse 9, it says here, I tell you, all right, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus was telling this story of the street manager to tell them, use worldly wealth. Use whatever that is passing, not just your money. Use whatever that is temporal to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, that means when the temporal riches are gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus taught us, listen church, to use worldly wealth to gain friends, which equates to eternity. Are you with me? Jesus taught here to use worldly wealth to gain friends, which actually equates to eternity. Only do not use your friends to gain wealth. Only do not use your friends for your own gain. Never ever abuse a friendship for personal gain. This entire Luke chapter 16 is so complicated. It's so difficult. And right at the end in Luke chapter 16 and verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. The Pharisees who loved money, they had a trouble digesting that because they wanted it for themselves. So in the art of winning in life the Jesus way, there's a winning in losing. The art of winning in life the Jesus way, there's a winning in losing where we're willing to lose temporal profits in order to earn spiritual gains. That we are willing to lose temporal profits in order to earn spiritual gains. Jesus, when the Spirit of the Lord is on Him in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, He says, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit in order to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim hope to the hopeless, to proclaim faith to the fearful. The art of winning in life the Jesus way is really to win lives for Jesus. And that was all that was the assignment of Jesus. Jesus was sent so that He can introduce God the Father to the people around Him because they thought they knew who God was, but they didn't. And so Jesus went around 
introducing God the Father through His teaching, through His preaching, through His ministry, and through His daily life. And what was Jesus trying to do? He was trying to win lives for the kingdom of God. And of course, the question now is how do we do that? And all this, you've already heard from me last week, and it's a very important recap because why? Relationship precedes all things meaningful in life. True relationship, meaningful relationship precedes all things meaningful and valuable in life. I want you to know, even if the simple thing as buying the next washing machine, buying the next fridge for your home, if you have a relationship with the vendor, the vendor will throw you some other free gift or stuff and help you. Okay, you know what? We've been neighbors, we've been friends for so many years because we have a relationship that's built over the years. Why don't I throw in free delivery for you? Are you, are you with me? There's so many things in life that are meaningful and it is built on a healthy relationship, a good partnership between one person and the other. It's built over time because of relationship. I shared this during our Leaders All In last week on Saturday. The thing about two believers coming in to begin a business, to start a business, it's when the two persons both wanting the other to profit. Are you with me? It is two persons coming into a business partnership because both wanted the other party to profit so that even if there's losses, I will bear the losses. And that is what the beauty of a true relationship with God, with one another is all about. You got married because you want the best of everything to be given to your spouse and not for your spouse to give the best of everything to you instead. Relationship precedes all things meaningful in life. People talk about, you know what? This is a win-win situation. Unless there's true relationship formed between the two parties, one will be losing. Are you all with me? It is when you are willing to share a lot more than you should receive, that is when it is a win-win situation. And that is why relationship is so critical in building all things that are meaningful and valuable in life. And that is why in our church, we are so adamant to open our circles to do life with others. Why? Because that was how Jesus do it. He intentionally established meaningful relationships with His disciples. So, what is the secret then to meaningful relationships? And it ought to be intentionality. Everybody say intentionality. Intentionality. Okay, everybody try to speak uh, behind your mask. Okay, one, two, three. Intentionality. Jesus intentionally spent time to build life and to do life with His disciples. You know what? At the end of the day, it is never a question of busyness, but a matter of priority. It is never a question of busyness. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I have time, well, we'll see how. When someone tells you, see how, they're kind of like, you know what? Maybe not important. So it is on the foundation of a strong relationship in life that earns us the right to speak into someone's life. I say this, you and I carry the truth of the Word of God. 
But you know what? If you do not have a relationship with others, it is so difficult to introduce Christ to another person. Just because you and I have the truth of the Word of God, you cannot force it into somebody's throat and into somebody's life and think that just because I have the truth, I have the right to say whatever I want to say from the Word of God to you. I want to teach us to learn to tell the truth in love. To tell the truth in love. But the in love here is not telling the truth gently. Are you okay? It is not telling the truth softly. No. The telling the truth in love is a meaningful relationship that's been built over the years. Which means it goes on to tell us that there is no shortcut that it takes time to build real, meaningful relationship in life. Friends, I want to ask us to make time to be with others, hang out with different people, play ball, have meals. So after I shared this last week, somebody asked me, what do we do when we spend time with others? Yep, we know we play ball, but we know we are having a meal, but... What do we do when we're having a meal? We can't be just meeting and eating socially. Then how do I do it the Jesus way? Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to verse 52. Are you guys okay? Yep. Then they came to Jer Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When we heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What do you do when you hang out with others? Number one, meet a need. Simple as that. What was Jesus doing? He was walking. And then there was this blind Bartimaeus yelling. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Jesus met a very critical need in the life of Bartimaeus. So when you are hanging out, don't just talk about yourselves. Don't just talk about your achievements. Don't talk about just your challenges. Learn to listen. Everybody say, learn to listen. Learn to listen. Reach out to people. Meet their needs. Pray for them. I, I want to say this to you, and this is probably the most critical part of this whole message today. When, when a shrewd manager would use money to take care of his own future, he was using something that would lose forever, something that was temporal and passing, so that when all these are gone, he'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And, and Jesus equated that friends with eternal dwellings, with true riches in life. I want to say this to you, this is critical, that if relationship is eternal, then it is spiritual. 
If relationship is eternal, then it is spiritual. True friendship, it's found on the bedrock of a solid spirituality. True friendship, it's found on the bedrock of a solid spirituality. John chapter 15, verse 15, I no longer call you servants, Jesus said, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Jesus introduced to us that our relationship with God now is not just between a master and a servant, but it's between two friends like Moses who could see God face to face and was like friends to each other. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. So there is this spirituality in friendship that I think sometimes is too often overlooked. Friendship, it's built on something that is social, that is fun, that is hanging out, that is having a meal, watch a movie, and all that. But we forgot that true friendship, it's built on the solid bedrock of spirituality. Jesus said, I now call you friends, so that whatever I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And if you want to win in life the Jesus way, then whatever that you have learned from the Father, you have to make known to your friends. Because why? We are not just winning in life our way, we are winning in life Jesus' way. Are you with me this morning? And so when you are in a certain relationship, whether it is courtship or friendship, and you feel that your relationship is not breaking through, something is quite missing, I want you to know you and I need to get on our knees and start praying and say, God, give me the key to unlock the beauty of this friendship. You know why? Because God is missing. Because spirituality in a friendship, it's missing. Do not think that friendship is worldly. Do not think friendship or community is just for us to hang out with each other. But there's a greater purpose in that. It is to make known God to the person that you are doing, doing life with. Are you guys with me this morning? Are you with me? So number one, what do you do when you, when you do life with others? Number one, meet a need. Well, it is not always you meet a need. Jesus did not always go everywhere meeting the needs. Number two, you can lead. Number two, you can lead. <coughs> so when you do life, meet a need, lead. <coughs> Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishes of men. <coughs> when we read the Bible, come follow me seems like a one sentence and then we think, wow, that's easy. <coughs> so we go around saying, you know what? Come, follow me. You know, join my CG. Serve God. Do this and do that. But Jesus has built substantial relationship with all these fishermen before Jesus called them. They already know who he was. But when we do life with others, one of the toughest things to do in a relationship is to lead. And it is to speak into someone's life. It's tough. It is tough even for me. Why? Because sometimes speaking into someone's life means saying something not nice. But the problem is we all want to be like. Who doesn't? I want to be like. Are you with me? But in true friendship, you cannot have that part missing. 
And so, we got to learn that the most difficult thing to do in leadership is not leading those who are older than you, because sometimes it can be easy. And it's not leading those who are younger than you, because that's the easiest. But it's to lead your peers that they are your friends. Relationship precedes all things meaningful in life. And that meaningfulness ought to be us meeting a need and leading a friend. I, I want to tell you something. While I was writing this material, uh, I suddenly remembered a poem that a friend wrote to me many years ago when we were leaving school. And then we have the diary. <laughs> Gosh, you all know what I'm talking about or not? Can, can you all just don't smile in your heart? Can? Wave, wave. You know diary? Uh, Chinese is called I also don't know why it's called a diary. Diary is a totally different thing altogether. And, and uh, where those books are smells nice one. It's a very feminine, floral smell. And yeah, it's part of that. And, and a friend wrote a poem to me. Uh, I was 12. I am 40 plus. Early for Nola. Anyway, the poem says this. Don't walk behind me. I will not lead you. Don't walk in front of me, I will not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. It, it sounded right when you were 12. Are you guys with me? Don't walk in, behind me, I will not lead you. Don't walk in front of me, I will not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. By the way, this is not a Bible verse because uh, Tuesday we're going to do a misinterpretation of Scripture. This is a poem my friend wrote that she copied from somewhere. It's a she, by the way. Uh, but you know what? Now that we are no longer as young as we used to, as true friends, we need to be all three at different stages of our lives to a friend. You cannot just don't lead because that's not how God designed us to be. You cannot just follow or don't follow. And you cannot just always be a friend next to the person in your life. And so I want to encourage us that really there is no shortcut. And, and people will ask me questions like, Pastor, how do I know what need to meet? The answer is relationship. When the relationship is built, you will know exactly what is the need of that person. But Pastor, how do I know how to lead? You know what? If you build a relationship with that person, you will know what to lead. You know what is missing. The need for Kaysen or for Lichu or for Song or Ryan or my wife is totally different from the need of your friends or your family members. And, and so, the secret, the key to unlock that is to commit that friendship in prayer and spend time. There is no shortcut in that. Are you with me? Relationship, it's built on intentionality. And that intentionality is built on the time that you spend with the other person. And it's also built on the intention of wanting to be with that person, to meet the need and to lead that person. And in closing today, I want to talk about how we should intentionally allocate time to be with God on a daily basis. If, that's, if this relationship with God precedes all things that are even more meaningful for all eternity, then it is no longer a question of, you know what, pastor, I'm not free. You're not to report to me. Are you guys with me? 
or your cell group leader, yeah, I'm not free. Lah. No. It is a matter between God and you that you intentionally worked out time to be with God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. I want to challenge you. If you have never, ever woken up while it was still dark, this coming Wednesday, it's a public holiday. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So in the morning, Jesus would hide away to pray. In the evening, after a busy day of ministering, Jesus would go up to a mountainside and to pray. If you are married, you have kids, ask your wife to take care of your kid for a moment, you go and pray. And, and, and if, if you're the husband, you know, take care of the kid and tell your wife, be a leader. Lead your wife and say, my dear wife, please go and pray. I'll look after our baby. Luke chapter 6, verse 15. One of those days, Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So whether it was morning or evening, whether it was a whole night, Jesus allocated time. He made it a point intentionally spend time with God. It is not whatever will be, will be. If I'm free, I will do it. No. It is your eternal relationship with God. And so if our relationship with God is truly paramount in our lives, and if you're watching us online today, I'm saying this to you as well. All the more, we need to intentionally set aside time each day. It's not too complicated. It doesn't have to be a big do, you know, like, wow, I got to do this and do that. Pray to know the heart of God the Father. Pray to deepen your intimacy with God. You know, I shared last week, the more you spend time with your loved ones, the less you want to be separated from them. The less you spend time with the people you love, the more you want to be away from them. It is not just applicable to human relationships. It is applicable to our walk with God as well. The less you spend time with God, God is like a stranger to us. We don't know what to tell Him. We don't know what He's going to say. We don't even know if that's God speaking to us. Why? Because we don't know the Word of God. And how do you know the Word of God unless you read the Word of God? And how do you read the Word of God unless you understand the Word of God? Unless you spend time to just have the Word of God fill you. I, I just love the team today. What a great job. And Pastor Andrew said, we, you think you're surrounded by enemies, but actually we're surrounded by God. Do you, do you know that? Do you know that, that the, the, the true riches of life is to have that eternal relationship with God the Father? Pray so that there is more longing. There is no other way to be more desperate for God than to keep going back to God so that it is only God that fills you and me and not something else. I want us. This has been a great year. A great year in the sense that it reorganized all the priorities of our lives. It is a great year because people that have been wanting to have their own Sabbath or 
a sabbatical this year, man, you're not alone. The whole world is sabbatical with you. Are you guys with me? Everyone is taking a break. Not working as hard as they used to and trying to really focus on what is truly meaningful in life. And so I want you to use the remaining three months of the year and not let this pandemic be over and you look back and, gee, it was the same. No, but to develop spiritual muscle of intimacy with God. You have to come to a place in your life where you pray and you pray and you pray and you're so desperate, you're so longing, you worship God, you read the Bible, you pray again, you read the Bible, that you need to have an encounter with God and if you haven't, in a while, I want to ask you to make it happen. Take a day off, take a leave from your work. Don't go to the mall, don't go to any other places, but just be with God and just cry out to God in His presence until you know that it was God speaking to you. And you have to develop that muscles, the spiritual muscle on the inside of you so deeply ingrained that you know if you're dry because you have not been praying. That you know that if you're not getting anywhere because you have not been close to God, you have not been close to Jesus. And I want you to know this. I want you to know this, the spiritual muscle that you've developed on the inside of you, muscles have memory. It is like when you were young, you learned how to cycle a bike, and then you have not been cycling for a long time, and then suddenly you realize, hey, I saw a bicycle, you can cycle again. The muscles have memory. It's like swimming. You used to swim when you were younger, and then you got into the city, you're busy working, you don't swim anymore, you jump into the pool, you realize you could still swim, you could still float. And I want you to know that intimacy with God has muscles. The muscles that is built on the inside of you that you have not been praying, you have not been reading your Bible, you have not been really worshipping God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You have not been searching God with all your heart and God has not been found. But I want you to know your spiritual muscles have memory. That when you've developed that so strong on the inside of you that one, the, the day you say, God, this Wednesday, I've heard pastor, I know what he is saying, I'm not going to give any excuses. The moment you come to a place to say, God, I want to reserve the morning part of this public holiday to you, you immediately get into the zone. You realize, hey, this presence is familiar again. You realize you can cycle in God. You realize you can swim in His presence. You, you, are you with me? And I cannot help you to that end. I can't. I have my place. Yeah, I, I'm not like a monk that I could pray long hours every day. But each day I know when I just lock into that place, this is my time with God. I don't need a lot of other things. I know my Father is listening. I know I'm praying. So let not this 2020 pass you by. I don't know what you wanted to achieve. I don't know what you've missed out. But this is the one thing I don't want you to miss out. It is to build that spiritual muscles on the inside of you that because you know what? This is true riches. It is eternal and it is spiritual. Can we just make time this very moment to be with God, to be with Jesus. Say, Father God, I want to get into that zone that I just love reading your word, just love being in your presence. Just listen.
to worship and just praise you.